As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The Major League Baseball season could be considered in jeopardy. The Miami Marlins were dealing with multiple positive tests for the coronavirus, which has now mushroomed into an outbreak within their team. The games will start to count again for the Bucks in just six days when they face Boston in the bubble. There's no bubble in place for NFL teams. The latest casualty of COVID-19 is Little League in Menominee Falls. The coronavirus pandemic has done something that hasn't happened since World War II. It has ground the world of sports to a halt. Now, as both professional leagues and little leagues try to bring sports back, even in a limited fashion, the relentless spread of COVID-19 is threatening to burst the bubble. From the Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. I'm Brian Polson here once again with my colleague, Amanda St. Hilaire. Good morning, Amanda. Hi, Brian. We are recording this episode on Tuesday, July 28th. And we have a special guest with us today, the newest addition to our Fox 6 sports team, Lily Zhao. Welcome to Milwaukee, Lily, and to Open Record. Hey, how's it going, guys? Thanks for having me on. Oh, thanks for being here. It's weird because we are meeting you virtually (laughs) because we're not at the station right now. But can you start by taking us through how you got here? Because although you're new to Milwaukee, you are definitely not new to Wisconsin sports. Yeah, so I've been in Green Bay the last five years at their CBS station and uh, primarily kind of cover the Packers up there. So it was super nice because I got to travel and I'd come down to Milwaukee for a Bucks and Brewers games. And that's kind of how I knew the area, but we'd also come down here for fun as well. So I've been up in Green Bay for the last five years. I was in the Upper Peninsula two, for two years prior to that. So I'm just like slowly making my way south uh, to a little bit warmer weather, I should say. Um, so yeah, I started uh, a couple of weeks ago at Fox 6 and just super excited to get going. And I mean, for me, it was just a great opportunity because, you know, in Green Bay, you're primarily covering the Packers, but here you're covering the Packers, Bucks, and Brewers. So I was like, you know, it's a great, great kind of next step in my career. So here I am. Well, you spent some time as a youper then, but I don't notice the youper accent having <laughs> bled in. So you, you held off on that. I, I did. But, you know, I really immersed myself in the culture there. I mean, like, you know, we had pasties and we'd go explore. And I mean, it's a it's a beautiful place. So it was definitely something I didn't expect to kind of or a place I didn't expect to be to start my career. But I was happy I did because now I'm here. But I mean, it's a fantastic place. It just, you know, snows a lot. <laughs> it's kind of gold, but I thoroughly enjoyed it up there. Well, and that's how this industry works, right? You end up in places where maybe you would never would have expected to be, and then it turns out to be great. Yeah, no, again, I just was, it was one of those places where I was like, I didn't really know where it was on a map, but now I'm like the kind of person where if I see a map on social media and they don't have the UP in there, I'm like, what the heck? Because <laughs> sometimes they'll just leave them out. <laughs> so Lily, where are you from originally? So I'm from Indiana originally. Um, I was born in Florida, in Gainesville, so I'm a big Gator fan, which is why everyone's like, how are you from Indiana, but a Gator fan, and that's why. <laughs> 
Uh, but yeah, I'm uh, from Indiana, essentially, and we've been there for a little over two decades now. So Hoosier, I so, should say. So you're a Midwesterner. Yes. So I, I've been around the Midwest. I'm familiar with the Midwest and it's all good. <laughs> what, what's it been like to be a sports reporter during a pandemic? You know what? That's a it's, that's a great question because it's something that everyone in the industry, news included, I don't think we ever expected to be here. I remember the day the news broke that Rudy Gobert was tested positive for coronavirus, and then everything kind of shut down from there. I was like the only I was the only person angry in that day, so I was like, oh, like running around with my, with my head chopped off, kind of like, how are we going to get all this on the news? And we did, but from there, it's just it's been a, an adjustment because you know obviously people are working from home, we're doing things via Zoom now, and you know, events that we would normally be at, we're not allowed in because of restrictions, which is completely understandable. Um, It's just kind of changing the way we do things has been an adjustment, but it's, you know, like if you're doing a thing with an athlete via Zoom, it is easier than, you know, having to drive out to them. So I guess it's one positive, but, you know, the things that we're lacking are the, you know, being able to to be with these athletes in person and get some personal interactions and, and, build relationships because like for us for a training camp you know we're not really sure how that's going to work on the media side uh for the packers but what we really enjoyed as media members is the opportunity to meet these rookies and these young guys in person and build rapport but we're not going to have that opportunity this year so that's kind of you know the the thing that kind of stinks but again we have to do the, do our best to stay safe and for everyone else to stay safe but it's been a big adjustment for i think everybody in the business and I think anyone who's a sports fan at all, this has been a difficult year to to be without sports, to not even have that distraction of, hey, at least I can turn on the game. Maybe I'm not at work. Maybe I don't have uh, other you know concerts to go to or whatever, but I can turn on the game. Well, you can't turn on the game until now. Major League Baseball is back, and as strange as it is to have games with no fans in the stands, games have resumed, so there's something to talk about, something to watch. I've seen so many people posting about just how great it is to have the Brewers on, and yet we are already hearing about concerns because the Miami Marlins have this outbreak uh, uh, w- with players testing positive coronavirus. So, are we already seeing that you know that the, the season could be in jeopardy? Yeah, and that's really the kind of surreal thing is that you know not even a couple days into the season, not even a week into the MLB season, you know we're seeing um, an outbreak and. If you look at the other sports across the league, like the NBA is in their bubble. They're doing great so far. The MLS is keeping their people contained. It's going great thus far. It's just with the MLB and their their testing plans and their travel, um, it's just been difficult for them because they're not in a bubble. But then it's like, how do you keep um, MLB players in a bubble and play all these games. Um, and that's going to be the question with the NFL as well. It's like, how do you keep three to 5,000 people in a bubble, which, and now that bubble discussion for the NFL is basically gone because you don't just snap your fingers and there's a, there's a bubble somewhere. So that's not really feasible for them right now. Lily, when, when you say bubble, can you explain what you mean? Because there are people like me who live under a rock when it comes to the world of sports. <laughs> sure thing. So the uh, NBA, you know, they brought in 22 teams, uh, to Orlando, and they kind of just put them at the Disney Resort. You know, teams are 
staying in three separate hotels. Um, you know, they were each assigned a hotel to stay at, but they're basically kind of just quarantined in an area in Orlando and they're not allowed to leave. If you leave, there's a penalty. You have, you have to quarantine, I think it was for 10 days uh, if you leave this bubble. But basically, you know, they're staying there, they're eating there, they're sleeping there, they're practicing there, they're playing there. It's all contained in one area. So they're not allowed to leave and they're doing daily testing. And that way they're staying they're staying healthy. And that really was the goal for the NBA to be able to restart. But if you're looking at other sports, it's it's much more difficult because you have a lot more people on a team. Um, yeah, the, an NBA roster clearly is not nearly the size of a 24-man MLB roster or, gosh, imagine the NFL. Uh, the, the size of those rosters, when you put 30, 32 teams together, that would be a tremendous number of people to keep contained in one location for an entire season. Exactly. And that's the tough part is that, you know, if the NFL does get going, like training camp is supposed to start today. Um, you know, if, if the NFL does get going, can it stay going? That's the big question because like with baseball, like you mentioned, it's not even a weekend and we already have an outbreak and with Miami, which, you know, should they have played that game with the Phillies? Probably not because now the Phillies are all quarantined. It's just kind of a mess, but it's just a, it's a big test case for the MLB to see how can we handle this in the pandemic because everyone is looking at us now because we are you know one of the first major sports coming back that's ha- that's dealing with this issue. So, well, and just watching this, it it makes me question really how much we can rely on human beings to have common sense because you know you mentioned you know maybe. Uh, playing that game wasn't the best decision. You essentially have a group of players who decide in a group text, hey, we're going to go ahead and we're going to play this game, even though we were clearly near people who are being tested for COVID-19. And so as we look at how we're going to move forward from that, realistically, is is the MLB going to have a season? Uh, Yeah, that's the big question because, you know, at the end of the day, the driving factor for a lot of these pro sports is money. So they they want these teams to play. uh, And, of course, these athletes want to play because that's their job. You know, they they want to keep doing their job, which is completely understandable, and fans want to see it. But like you mentioned, it's it's a couple – it's, you know, if you'd known these players had tested positive, should you have played that game? You know, I know the NBA in their bubble, they have this tip line where if you see someone else doing things that aren't against regulation, you can call in anonymously. But it's kind of – you have to hold these guys accountable. But sometimes it's, you know, if a guy is asymptomatic and then he spreads it but he doesn't get his test results back quick enough, it's, you know, how do you deal with all that stuff? So it's a big question now for the MLB. But, I mean, right now we're not hearing anything – of canceling the season, which is good. Robert Manfred said he doesn't he's a, he doesn't think it's going to cancel the season, but I mean, we're not even a weekend and this is the issue, so I'm curious to see kind of what it looks like next week. So with the teams traveling from city to city, and I should probably know this, but I don't, are they on dedicated charter flights where it's just the team? Are they traveling commercially? Because that seems like enormous risk. If you have players traveling from city to city, some of them testing positive and hopping on a commercial flight, how is the travel situation working? You know, I'm not 100% sure, but I would believe it would be they, they have their own plane and they're not, you know, it's not going to be like, hey, the Brewers are on this plane today and the Buc- or and the Cubs are on this plane the you next day. You hop a flight on Southwest and there's, yeah. there's uh, Kristen Yelich. I mean, that'd be great <laughs> for, as a, from a fan standpoint, but I can't imagine that's likely in terms of the way they're doing it. But still, just the, the travel is different. You, you look at the NBA and you think these players, while some of them may test positive, if they're in the bubble, they're only exposing other players or other personnel who are part of that 
sort of organization in that, in that area. But if you're traveling from city to city, so many more people could come in contact with these players who are traveling. So this is going to be a tricky situation to watch, even for a shortened season. Yeah, exactly. And and that's kind of why the bubble has worked is because, again, you, you're keeping these guys contained. And again, if someone sees you doing something against regulation, they have the right to call in and say, hey, X, Y and Z, I saw him step out of the bubble. And if that's the case, you're quarantining for 10 days um, and your teammates aren't happy with you. So, you know, the NBA is kind of they they've done it right with the bubble. But now the question is, OK, with the MLB and their travel, can we get this? situation figured out if the Marlins already have an outbreak you know can we get the NFL season which again it's much different than baseball where they can kind of spread out on the field it's you know it's it's contact sports they're hitting each other so how do you keep these guys from getting corona and then they're traveling to to a different city to play a rival and they're you know going up against each other and that's the thing I think it's easy to forget with sports it's not just about the game itself and transmission during the game. It's that travel. It's getting ready. It's There are so many steps to this that I think we take for granted or we're just used to where it, the virus could very easily spread. I was talking to a few doctors for a different story a few weeks ago, and all of them said they were actually pretty concerned that specifically with baseball that there could be a false sense of security because during the actual game people are standing further away from each other when when the reality is it's they still considered it to be a high risk activity for transmission yeah and and I know I've also heard stories of you know if you're sitting in a restaurant and say you're kind of all in a line on a table but even if you know, one person's asymptomatic and then they talk and then the the AC blows one way they can infect eight people. It's, you never, you never know. So I think those particles are in the air again. I'm not a, you know, I'm not Dr. Fauci, but it's kind of, you never know what these, these situations. And especially if someone thinks they're doing everything right and they are doing everything right, they could still get it, which is kind of the scary, the scary reality. But I mean, for us, it's kind of, knowing that they can spread out, that's an option. Whereas, you know, the NFL, I mean, you can't tackle a guy from 20 feet away. Like, you got to wrap up on him. So Well, and when we're talking sports, we're not just talking our, our own entertainment, right? We're not just talking about bringing this back for our own selfish purposes. I was reading an analysis from ESPN that said the sudden disappearance of sports will erase at least $12 billion in revenue, hundreds of thousands of jobs, and that will more than double if college football and NFL schedules are wiped out by this fall. That's huge. It is huge, and it's it's the economic ramifications if we don't have a season, and especially you know, and with high school sports, it's it affects those those kids who are going to transition into college. Like you mentioned, college football, they make a lot of money, and especially the NFL with their ads and all that, they make a lot. They even they make even more money. So it's kind of, you know, if there is no season or if it starts and stops, how do you kind of come back from that financially? When you talk about a sports economy, Lily, you come from a place the last five years in Green Bay where there is no place I can think of that is more impacted by the sports economy. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's, you know, game days, which I'm sure you guys have seen, is just packed with people. And that's how, you know, Green Bay makes their money, and rightfully so, because a game day at Lambeau is just something else. And so, 
you know, the restaurants, they rely on it. The bars rely on it. The, the places around town, the hotels and all that. And so now that you don't have any of that with no fans allowed, it's, you know, how do you kind of recover from that? I know Mark Murphy, I think they said that he'd be, they'd be okay. Um, but it's not something that's sustainable if, say, next year we don't have a vaccine and they can't play again next year. That would be, I think, just bad overall for everybody. You mentioned youth sports, and we get a lot of questions about that at the station. I know in my neighborhood, there's a softball field where they're still playing. Parents are still packing the stands, sitting very closely next to each other, breathing on each other. Uh, We've seen some leagues say, okay, hold on, we need to stop what we're doing or we need to heavily modify it. We've seen some leagues say, hey, we're just going to go through and and proceed as normal. What are you seeing um, just in the last few weeks as you've been in this area as youth sports are trying to grapple with what comes next? Yeah, and, that, and that's tough because I'm not going to say where I've been, um, but there have been some places where I've been to some parks and, you know, you see parents with no masks on um, or, you know, I will give those prop. I will give those parents props when they I've seen I have seen parents with masks on. I can't say I've seen no one with masks on, but it's just a little discouraging when you see those those parents or coaches or whatnot. And they're so tightly grouped together. Even if they're outside, it's you know, you're still with a lot of people um, and you're still with young children. So you want to be as safe as you can. And I remember when uh, the WIA's decision came down, you know, to, to continue fall sports, just to postpone it. I was chatting with a couple coaches and they're like, yeah, you know, we've come to the, to the reality that we're going to have to wear masks on the sidelines because we don't want to get anyone sick. Um, so that's, that's great knowing that, you know, some, uh, some, and a lot of coaches are very self-aware and they're trying to keep their kids healthy um, and safe, but you know, it, it just depends on where you are, but there are still some people that are just in big social gatherings in a youth situation, sports situation, and they're, they're not taking any precautions, and that's kind of a little discouraging. You know, my own observations, when it comes to youth sports in particular, there's, there's a, and then you talk about social distancing and mask wearing, the two things just aren't typically compatible. The way people behave at a youth sporting event in general Parents get together and they talk and they visit. It's a chance to catch up. It's a social situation. The kids, they just want to get out and play, and and they're young. They're not thinking about standing six feet apart. And so though they might start out with the best of intentions, but those things quickly go away. I, I watch this as producer Pete, uh, as part of our investigative unit. Producer Pete and I went out to watch a baseball tournament very early and it's one of the first tournaments that resumed and it was a traveling tournament teams from outside the area coming to play baseball and there were rules supposedly in place that the players were not supposed to pack inside the dugout in fact they were supposed to sit six feet apart along the fence line outside the dugout only three players were allowed in the dugout at the same time we saw one team in the whole tournament that actually adhered to those rules and their coach was taking it very seriously None of the others even paid attention to that rule. All the kids were packed in the dugouts. The parents were sitting tightly packed together. And it becomes somewhat of a peer pressure situation where, well, if you see the others aren't following it, then, ah, who cares about those rules? And it sort of degenerates quickly. I think that's one of the difficult things with this is there's so much peer pressure in the how closely do we follow these recommendations and guidelines. And if I see others around me not doing it, then am I going to be you know, the by the book rule follower and, and, and look silly. I think that's what seems to happen. Certainly from my own observations at these uh, tournaments and other things, most people are not staying six feet apart or, or uh, adhering to mask wearing and things like that. 
Yeah, and and I, I'm not pointing fingers at youth sports and you know to, that this is the the biggest issue, but that's one of the big factors is that you know we're not as a nation really taking it as seriously as we could. I know every you know everyone is doing their part, but then there are those few. Well, I shouldn't say few. There are those people that aren't taking it seriously. And that's kind of why we're still kind of stuck in a rut. And, you know, we're still having a lot of cases here in the U.S. And for us, it's, you know, if we all kind of said, hey, we're all going to take this seriously from March and April, we might be in a better situation come July. But now we're in the reality of, is it going to be better in December? And if it's not, then not even talking about sports, but I mean, life is not just going to get back to normal with the snap of our finger. It's It's going to take a while to get back to our new normal. So it's kind of... I mean, I, I know we're looking at sports right now as a big tester with a bunch of people to see how, you know, we can all deal and, and continue on with it in a world of corona. But it's I don't know. It's just it's it's tricky for sure. Well, and Amanda, you have a, you have a young daughter who is obviously not yet of sports participation age, but she will be one day. I have kids who've been through it. And you can imagine, certainly from a parent's perspective, there's a great drive to get the kids out of the house and get them doing something active again and letting them just enjoy a childhood. So you understand the 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 drive and the desire to get out and do these things, but but then certainly there's there's so much question about the risk being taken when when uh, when all the sort of rules fall to the wayside. Well, and for some families it's more than that, right? So if your kid is, you know, a an elite athlete or if your kid if this was the year that your kid was going to get that field hockey scholarship. This is it, it's not just getting them out of the house. It's a matter of money, and it's a matter of education. And that's why, um, from what I've seen, obviously the kids feel strongly about this, and it's a, a disappointment for them if they can't go forward with the season as they thought it would be. But I've seen much stronger reactions from the parents, in part because of that that pressure and and money and scholarship opportunities involved. And in part because to a point you've made several times, Brian, sometimes the parents know more what the kids are missing out on because the parents know what they had their junior year or their senior year. And the kids, they don't necessarily have that point of comparison. Lily, I, I know that you're here in Milwaukee and we're grateful to have you here and looking forward to your time with the Fox 6 sports team. But having just come here from Green Bay, can you imagine what this fall will be like, even if there is a season with no fans, but I suppose even even worse, if there's no season at all, what would it be like to have a fall in Green Bay without Green Bay Packers football? That would be the most surreal thing. And I can tell you, it would be, I don't know if that would sit well with the, with the Green Bay faithful <laughs> if there was no season. Um, just because like you guys know, it, it's it's like a tradition. It's a way of life to, uh, up in Green Bay during the fall. It's, you know, Sundays or Packers football. Um, and so without having that, it, it would just be very eerie, I guess, driving through Lambeau, like on a supposed game day and there's nothing going on. Um, it would be very bad, obviously, for the economy and you know, like you mentioned, some people they just get joy from watching the Packers play, and that would take a hit on their I, mental I, health. Yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't want to overstate it, but I think for the state of Wisconsin, you know, we've been through a lot this year with the pandemic, and 2020 has been a rough year. We have not yet been through a fall without Green Bay Packers football, and I think for the mental health of the state of Wisconsin, that's a big deal. And I, I don't mean to overstate that or be flippant about it. I think Packers football is a huge part of the identity of the state, and to imagine a fall without without Packers football at all is huge. So obviously there's a lot of people who are, I would imagine, rooting for these leagues to figure this out and, and find a way to do this stuff safely. Um, and if Major League Baseball can't do it, 
how is the National Football League going to do it? It's certainly a big question. A hundred percent. And we want to see we want to see these teams succeed because we want to see sports come back. And, you know, right now it's uh, Mark Murphy saying if fans are allowed in, it's 10 to 12,000. So it's something if fans can get in the stands, but it's it's like you, people are going to have to wear masks. They're going to have to social distance. They're going to have to do their best to stay safe. But that is if fans are allowed. But, you know, it's it's interesting because for the for Major League Baseball, obviously no fans are allowed in. But, you know, they're pumping in virtual crowd noise and they're doing the virtual fans. And it's really I've, I've kind of gotten used to it. I mean, it's really not that bad. Not saying we don't want fans in the stands, but hot take. Yeah, it's not it hasn't been bad. You know, like I, I these players have adjusted to playing with no fans, but I think it's just, you know, the, the MLB is different than football. You know, I, I, I can't imagine it's, you know, fourth and one for the win and you have no one in the stands. It would be kind of weird. Um, yeah, Are they going to have like little virtual cheesehead fans? Like, how are they going to do that? <laughs> right. Do you Lambo leap into an empty end zone, sta- you know, stands? I, I, that's a, that'll be really interesting. Can, can you imagine the first Devontae Adams touchdown and he, he leaps into an end zone full of, of no one? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so that'll, that'll be interesting. I think one other thing we're going to be talking about if the season does happen, a whole separate issue is then, do you have Packers parties? You know people will. And will they be social distancing? That's the next. Put that one on your list because, Lily, you'll be doing that story, I'm sure, <laughs> talking all about it. But really, we're so grateful you joined us here on Open Record, and we're, we're uh, happy to have you here as a part of the Fox 6 sports team. So thank you and welcome, and we look forward to maybe having you on, uh, on the podcast again. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys, and I thoroughly enjoyed this. Thanks, Lily. Now, uh, before we go today, Amanda, there has been a development in a story you've been covering. You want to tell us a little bit about what's going on with the unemployment system and folks on SSDI? Yes. So if you've been watching Fox 6 or listening to Open Record, which hopefully you have been, uh, you know that people on Social Security Disability Insurance or SSDI um, have not been able to get federal unemployment assistance in Wisconsin. And when we say federal unemployment assistance, we're talking about that additional $600 per week that the federal government was paying out because of the pandemic if you lost your job due to the pandemic. Um, And it applies to people who ordinarily don't qualify for unemployment. Long story short, Wisconsin law passed in 2013 prevents people on Social Security disability from collecting unemployment if they lose their job. A lot of people on Social Security disability actually work to supplement their income. The program encourages that. In Wisconsin, since 2013, if you lose your job, you can't get regular unemployment. Attorneys have been arguing that those people should be able to get that federal unemployment assistance because it's meant to apply to people who can't usually get unemployment. And we've heard stories from people on disability who needed these jobs to, because you don't get a lot from Social Security disability, who say they needed these jobs to supplement their income. They lost it, and now they have no safety net, and they haven't been able to access it because of competing interpretations over what Wisconsin law and federal law really say. Um, So it's an issue we've been covering for several months. I've covered it. Brian, you've covered it. And just yesterday, the federal government, the department, the U.S. Department of Labor sent the state of Wisconsin a letter saying, "Okay, our official guidance is that people on Social Security disability insurance do meet the criteria for getting this 
pandemic assistance from the federal government, that $600 per week. And that could, so that could literally end up being for some people uh, thousands of dollars. That's right. So that just came down last night. Um, we kind of quickly went through it. We got the letter. We got it on the air. And, and today and over the next few days, I'm going to be taking a, a closer look at what this means and how this affects people in Wisconsin who are on disability insurance. Bottom line for so many people in Wisconsin who've been struggling and waiting to hear, are we going to get this special pandemic unemployment? The, the answer is yes, and that's got to be just huge, great news for so many people. Yeah, this is something that if, uh, according to the latest numbers we have from the U.S. government, it's more than 150,000 Wisconsin workers who are on Social Security disability insurance. That's a lot of people, and this can make up quite a, a large portion of their income. And that's, I think, a common misconception about Social Security disability is, oh, well, if you're on that, that means you can't work. So what do you mean you need unemployment insurance? The way the program works is it, it encourages people to work part-time jobs because the goal is eventually maybe you'll be able to work full-time and you won't even need to be on Social Security disability insurance. So a lot of people who had these jobs and lost them and weren't able to get unemployment are kind of saying, are you kidding me? I, I did what I was supposed to do. I did what this program encouraged, and now I, I feel like I'm getting punished for it. So um, we've been getting a lot of emails about that, and it, it's good to be able to have an update because people were just in limbo for so long, and now they know. And for a lot of, a lot of these people, it's the answer they've been hoping for. And I'm sure you'll be following this as new developments come and as people start to finally receive those checks. So we'll look forward to those stories, Amanda. And of course, we're going to continue bringing you these twice weekly episodes of Open Records. We cover the coronavirus pandemic and so much more. If there's a topic you want us to discuss on Open Record or an issue you think we should investigate, please send us an email. For now, that email address is WITI underscore the investigators at Fox.com. Again, that's WITI underscore the investigators at fox.com and we are hoping to get it back to a more simple just the investigators at fox.com but we'll keep you updated when uh, when the IT uh, team gets on top of that thanks again to Lily for joining us on open record and thank you to the people who make this podcast possible producer Pete Dave Machuda Suzanne Barthel and Sarah Smith Please subscribe to Open Record if you haven't done that already. You can find it wherever you do your podcast listening. Thanks for listening. I'm Amanda St. Hilaire. And for Brian Polson, we will be back with our next regularly scheduled episode on Thursday. Thursday.